0: I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World. It's a big election season here in the U.S. and beyond. Several countries are holding critical votes. Russians decide this weekend whether Prime Minister Vladimir Putin becomes president again. Senegal is heading into a runoff after yesterday's presidential election. We're going to hear more on that from the world's Marco Werman. But first, it's campaign time in Myanmar or Burma. Parliamentary elections are scheduled for April. The most celebrated candidate is the Nobel laureate Aung San Suu Kyi. She spent much of the past 23 years under house arrest. But now things are changing in Myanmar and changing fast as the government there embarks on political reform. The world's Mary Kay Magstead has been following Aung San Suu Kyi and her supporters out on the campaign trail. The mood among the throng of Aung San Suu Kyi supporters is nothing short of exuberant. Mother Sue, Mother Sue, they shout, they wave miniature flags of the National League for Democracy, Aung San Suu Kyi's party. They wear flag stickers on their faces and her picture on their T-shirts, T-shirts now openly displayed for sale around town, where for years it was risky even to say her name. One of the supporters who turned out is a fruit vendor named Kun Pyon Win. She says she makes just enough money to eat. She thinks if Aung San Suu Kyi is elected to parliament, life will get better. <laughs> Yeah. everybody love her. Why? Uh, she helped the people, that's why everybody love her. Oh, I like, okay. Everybody loved her and so after she wins, so so everybody most happy. Further down the street, 17-year-old Mei Tu Ong waits with a bouquet of flowers to hand Ong San Suji when her vehicle drives by uh, I don't She says she admires Aung San Suu Kyi's bravery and commitment. She sees her as a role model and hopes to be a politician like her someday. The crowd erupts as Aung San Suu Kyi's vehicle comes into view. May barely manages to get to the window and hand her role model the bouquet before a crowd presses in, cheering and shouting, running alongside the vehicle, trying to touch it if they can. Others join in the convoys – cars, jeeps, motorcycles, bicycles, buses with people crowded in and hanging out the doors, waving big red NLD flags. The convoy crawls for much of the 35-mile route, but no one seems to care. They sing, chant, and wave at the villagers who line much of the route. There is no visible military presence along the way, and no interference. My driver says to me, for 23 years under military rule, we had to shut our mouths, shut our ears and our eyes. Now, this. He grins and pumps his fists in the air. Which raises the question of why Myanmar's military, after almost 50 years of authoritarian rule, is suddenly willing to move in such a different direction. One reason could be a desire to get long-standing U.S. economic sanctions lifted so Myanmar's economy can take off. Another could be to stop relying so heavily on China, and there are other factors. There was a lot of thinking even last year about the lessons to be learned from the Arab Spring. And I think the lessons that many people in the leadership took from that was that on the one hand, reform needed to move ahead, that they couldn't simply wait until there were uprisings or new demonstrations. Thant Miandu is the grandson of former UN Secretary General Uthant, He's been active in working as an informal liaison between Burmese civil society and the government, encouraging exactly the kind of change that is now happening. He says the pace has picked up since President Thein Sein met Aung San Suu Kyi in August, But the winds of change started blowing well before that. I think even if you went back two or three years, you would have seen already some of the building blocks for the the changes that have taken place. A lot of the civil society institutions have been growing. Media was just a little bit freer. People were coming in and out a lot more. There was talk of economic reforms. Political prisoners have been released, though the NLD says some 280 remain in prison. Burmese media have started to push the boundaries with less pushing back. And the National League for Democracy has found it can operate openly without as much harassment. Its office is buzzing with supporters, crowding in to buy Aung San Suu Kyi t-shirts, keychains, posters, and stickers. Party organizers cluster around tables and talk strategy with candidates. One of the youngest is 31-year-old Zayer Thaw, who's running for a seat in Naypyidaw, the remote capital city built by the Burmese military. He says he likes a challenge. But he's not sure how much to trust the recent changes. I'm not optimistic and I'm not pessimistic too, but we need to encourage the government, no turning back. Do you think they're listening? Maybe or maybe not. Zayer Thaw comes by his skepticism honestly. He spent more than three years in prison after joining the 2007 pro-democracy demonstrations. We live in the military agenda so many years, so we live with the fear. But right now, we have a little rights, and the government listen uh, our voice a little. Which isn't enough yet, he says. And there are signs old habits die hard. At least one political prisoner released last month, a Buddhist monk named Ugambura, has since been detained, released, and threatened with criminal prosecution for continuing to criticize the government. Still, another NLD candidate for parliament, 62-year-old Mew Ong, is more optimistic. He used to work in the government and says in his lifetime he's never seen positive change on the scale of what's happening now. At first, it's very hard for me to believe it. Yes, sure. But now and now the actions have been convinced me they are on the well on the track for transition. Miu Ong says that doesn't mean he doesn't have his own concerns to run in the election. And you cooperate with the government policies, we are taking the risk. But what is the risk? What bad thing could happen? Everything can happen in Burma politics. And, he says, if the NLD is running for seats under a constitution written by the military and in a system still run by former generals, it could get co-opted, especially since it stands to gain no more than 48 out of more than 600 seats in the by-election. Still, it's a start, he says. More can happen down the road. Assuming sixty six year old Ong San Suji's health holds up. Her many supporters pray that it does. She certainly showed no sign of flagging at Sunday's rally. With thousands crowded into a sports ground in the dusty town of Tunghua, she bantered and joked, and the crowd ate it up. But she also had a serious message about her country's need not just for democracy, but to rebuild its battered education system, to regenerate Myanmar into what it once was before military rule, a regional knowledge and education center. The message resonated with university student Bo Zaw. He says, of course education is important, and getting Ong San Suu Kyi elected is important. But even then, people can't just expect that she's going to solve all their problems. You have to work hard and help yourself. Su Kyi would no doubt agree. She ended her speech, waved at the crowd, and descended the stairs from the stage to a manic crowd, pushing to get closer to her. Once safely in her vehicle, she stood up through the sunroof and waved as dusk descended and a crescent moon came out. The college student, Pozo, watched her go. He said he was thrilled to see her in person, but for now, what she says, what the government says, it's all still talk. Sure, it feels freer now, but it's hard to know where that's going. He's waiting to see what happens after the election. Maybe then, he says, there'll be change he can believe in. For The World, I'm Mary Kay Magsted, Tongwa, Myanmar. You can see some of Mary Kay's terrific photos from the Aung San Suu Kyi campaign trail there at theworld.org.